All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, we are digging deeper into the Psalms this week. I am Pastor Doug Minton here today looking at Psalms 38 and 39. Request and prayers from David that God not forsake him in the midst of his troubles, in the height of his glory. And neither one does he want to be forsaken. And God promises that he will not forsake his children. Although, we will see that even when he has his arrows of wrath in us, we will still be his children, and he will still show mercy to us. Alright, so Psalm 38. A Psalm of David for the memorial offering. Again, one of these where we have an offering given as a memorial, and to be brought about, and possibly even for the morning or evening sacrifice that was given every day as a atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people. That is probably the most likely point of the memorial offering. So what does David say in this prayer? O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. So whenever this is happening, and this could be in either the height or the depth of his reign, as we have the time where he does remember his sin, regardless of whether it is David and Bathsheba, it is Absalom, it is any of his other children that have caused problems, or just his own personal sinfulness, that he knows that he is being punished. And although God's arrows of wrath may be inside us, he prays, let them not be shot in anger or in wrath. Let them not be there to dig deeper in as you would have from someone firing uh, very angrily from a bow. And that you would have that extra zing on the arrow that would cause it to want to go further in. We continue on in verses 3 through 8. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. That is the problem with sin. It is a heavy burden, one that we cannot bear up under. We can try, like Atlas, to hold up our world of sin, but it will come crashing down on us because it is way too heavy. And as David says twice in these verses, there is no soundness in my flesh. You know, There is nothing there to strengthen me to hold up this heavy burden. There's nothing there. As Paul says, there is. I know that there is within me, that is in my flesh, no good thing. David is having that same moment of realization and confession, because that is the important part. There is the confession of his sinfulness, and that is the point of this psalm, that everything about him stinks, and festers because of his sin. But he's praying for God to still be merciful to him as we pray for God to be merciful to us, poor, miserable sinners.
Let's go on into verse 9. O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me. In the light of my eyes, it is also gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like a deaf man. I do not hear, like a mute man who does not open his mouth. I have become like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth there are no rebukes. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. Again, we have this understanding that, yes, I am a poor, miserable sinner, but I am also part of God's covenant family. For David, through circumcision and through his lineage going back to Judah, for us, it is baptism and the lineage that comes by being clothed with Christ in those waters. That is the only way we can come before God and even ask and beg for forgiveness, is that he will give it to us because we are his children and that we need him much more than he needs us. So we go on 17 through 20. For I am ready to fall and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. But my foes are rigorous, they are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good accuse me before I follow after good. Falling is imminent for those who truly understand their sinfulness. Those who truly understand their sinfulness are more conscientious of their falling away from grace, of their falling back into the snares of sin. Those who are wrapped up in it and have no worries about it, have no problem because they can't fall if they don't think they're on a higher ledge. They only can fall if they know there is somewhere down for them. But if they are truly in their own depth and think they have it all under control, then yeah, there is no further down that they can go because there is no further down, no further distance away from God than being totally wrapped up in your sins. We finish off this psalm in verses 21 and 22, again, taking on this request. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O God, my salvation. Again, that do not forsake me. At the end of the whole thing, that regardless of the fact that I deserve to be forsaken, I deserve to be cast away, please, God, do not do that. Please do not let my sins overrun me and overwhelm me. That's Psalm 38 right there. Our sins are too heavy to bear. And we need God's help and guidance and protection. And that is exactly what we seek in the Psalms. We seek words to help us to be able to express our own feelings, which is what makes the book of Psalms so wonderful. Now we move on to Psalm 39. To the choir master, to Jedithan, a Psalm of David. To the choir master. 
we have this before as the one this is for corporate worship for the choir of levites the singers that david has set up to sing during the sabbath services to jedithan a couple of different ideas it could be the name of the choir master at one point in time it could also be just the name of a tune that it is be sung to we don't know that's one of the many mysteries of the psalms that has never been fully grasped because no one truly understands just like the selahs in the psalms what does it mean everybody has their own opinion but we just simply say god understands and if he wanted if it was necessary for us to know this he would explain it so psalm 39 which as i said has the to jedithan but also has two sailors in here so we have a wrapped up mystery in here but we need to not get so enamored with the mysteries that we miss the plain and simple words that David has for us. All right, Psalm 39, verses 1 through 3. I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me as I mused the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. I should go on to 4 through 6 then. O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. All right, that's verses 1 through 6. Help me to guard my mouth before the evil ones. That is one of the great things that we have as a struggle in this life, is we have so many different arenas where we really desire to say something, but we know that no matter what we say, somebody is going to jump on it from another side, another angle, and make it even worse than if we would have kept our mouths shut in the first place. And David is no stranger to that. David understands needing to keep silence before evil ones. But even more, Jesus understood the silence that was needed before the evil ones. And he has this before Pilate, as Pilate and the, is asking him questions. And the chief priests are mounting up charge after charge after charge against him. And Jesus says nothing. He keeps his mouth shut. Why? Because there is no need to answer. Because who is he answering for? Is he answering for himself? Or is he answering for you and for me? Oh, he's answering for you and for me. And the psalm goes on with this prayer. Make me know the end of my days and what the measure is of my days. We all want to know when will the world end? When will our lives end? What is going to be the circumstances around our death, around the end of the world, if we don't die before then? And God doesn't give it to us. God doesn't tell us. Because we don't need to know. 
What we do need to know is we have in Psalm 39 and other places throughout the Psalms that we should know how to number our days properly. That even though we don't know the exact number of the days we will have, we live every day in accordance to God's word. We live every day seeking his glory and his grace when we fall short. That is the Christian life. We seek after those things which help us to draw closer to him. And sometimes it is those times of falling into sin that we know that we need to just get on our knees and beg for forgiveness, knowing that he will give it to us, knowing that he is there. Because really, all of our life means nothing. As the psalm goes on to say, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my life is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. I mean, you think about it for a second. Just think of the depth of this statement in 2021. Seven to eight billion people on earth. Another seven or eight billion people who have lived before. You are part of, we'll go with the high numbers, 16 billion parts of a breath. That is what man is before God. That is the insignificance of man before the Almighty God. Now, there is the whole point that man is insignificant, but it is man in whom God has sought to redeem. It is man that God has come down into the flesh to give us salvation, to give us the promise that there can be forgiveness of sins, even though we walk about as a shadow. Or we go on to verses 7 through 11. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. I am mute. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. Again, we end with the note that surely all mankind is a mere breath. But again, who do we have to strike out against? Who do we have to lash out against in our anger? Because many times it is God who has given us the things that we have whether it's for good and even for bad. Sometimes the bad is brought upon us to punish us for the things that we have done or the things that we have not done. All of these things come from God. So who would we yell at? Who would we be angry at? God, who before him we are less than a 16 billionth of a breath. That's how insignificant. But again, What is man that God would have any care for him, Psalm 8? Man is the creation, the creature that God wants to have a relationship with for all of eternity. That was why Adam and Eve were created in the garden in the first place, for relationship with God. So God wants a relationship with us, and that is what we strive for. 
what we strive to see in this life, but know that it's not going to be fully there until the life of the world to come. Then we finish off Psalm 39. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Look away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. Here we have David striking all the way back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, sojourners in the land of promise. All of them died without receiving that promise. And in fact, another few generations would die before the Israelites would actually claim and conquer the promised land. But the land was still promised. The land was still theirs, just not yet. That is life for us. That is the Christian life. That is everlasting life for us, is that we have that life, but we don't see its fullness yet. And that will come when our Lord comes back to get us and take us into heaven to be with him. But until then, we continue to number our days properly. We continue to seek after God's will in this world so that we can make that difference for ourselves, for our families, for our neighbors, and even for strangers halfway around the world sometimes, is that we make those changes, not because we want the credit, but because we do everything for the glory of God. And that is why David wrote many of the Psalms, is to glorify God in all cases, whether it is the good or the bad or the ugly. God's glory is there all the time. All right, that's it for this week. This is Pastor Doug Minton once again digging deeper into the Psalms with you. Next week, we are in Psalm 40 and 41, finishing up book one of the Psalms. And we'll talk about a little bit about what it means for the individual books as we get to it next week. But until then, this is Pastor Doug Minton wishing you God's richest blessings as you wrestle with theology this week. Amen. <music>